guys, Janine Kenny here with another great episode of Central Monmouth Advice Givers. Today, I'm talking with DJ Dave Bain, owner of Modern DJ. Have you ever looked up at the DJ on stage and thought to yourself, hey, I could do that. It looks like fun. Well, I felt that way too the first time I saw Dave DJing about 10 years ago. He makes it look super easy and fun. And after talking with him, I learned it's not all fun and games. Now's your chance to hear some of the true stories from the other side. We learn how Dave built a full-service DJ company, providing entertainment for over 25 bars and 200 parties a year. Dave shares stories about the struggles to build a large DJ business and the obstacles involved in managing around 50 DJs, karaoke artists, and other musical acts. Dave gives advice on starting a business and how to work with lots of people and how you learn that you cannot please everyone. Well, if you love music and parties, and come on now, who doesn't? Well, you're going to love getting to know DJ Dave. All right, DJ Dave, so tell us about how you got started in the DJ business. What was your inspiration? What sparked this for you? Uh, well, since, since I was a kid, I was always into music. I was a overweight kid in Lakewood, and that, that was not always fun. So I spent a lot of time collecting 45s and music and things of that nature, and uh, when I went to college at uh, Trenton State College, getting away my age, um, I used to, uh, I always had a lot of music. And back then there was no downloading. There was no, uh, back then uh, we had vinyl. We didn't have CDs back then and cassette tapes and so forth. <laughs> so uh, uh, I had already started buying CDs when they first came out in the early 90s. So I had a bunch of those. So uh, I pledged my fraternity, and we had a fraternity house, and I volunteered to DJ the fraternity parties. Figured, number one, I wouldn't have to clean up the parties or do any of the crew work. Number two, I could sit there all day, play music, and drink. <laughs> number three, uh, I always liked music, and I knew all, a lot of different styles of music that uh, most people wouldn't know at the age of 18 or 19 due to my background, I've always listened to it, my parents always listened to, um, and I always spent a lot of time on it. So I had a lot of CDs and so forth, so my friend lent me a mixer, and I got two single CD players so I could get component systems in the 90s, and I started playing fraternity parties. Uh, and then from there, I started doing fraternity and sorority semi-formals and stuff around my college. Uh, one of my fraternity brothers, um, he happened to be a, a bouncer at Bar A, here in uh, Lake Como or South Belmar back then. And I was at school in Trenton. And one Saturday night, they uh, their DJ called out. So they called me up. And of course, I drove down on no notice, uh, the 45-minute drive to our drive down to, to Bar A. I mean, it's not the Bar A. If you're from the area, you think of now. It's the Bar A that was basically a front room with the front bar closed off and sand on the back. There was no, no giant stage. And... Anything, anything like that. And I walked upstairs and I met uh, one of the biggest helpers I've ever had in my DJ company, Tommy Janarone, who was the, at that time just a GM in charge of entertainment at Bar A. So he brought me up with one of the old, old style mixers I had never really used. And Rich Meyer was playing and he still actually plays around. Uh, and I started playing there and I hadn't really done a bar before, but because it was Rich Meyer and uh, it was not much on mixing or anything crazy like that. So I started playing at Bar A. Uh, I did that that gig. I did a couple more 
filling gigs, and it worked out. I became good friends with uh, with Tommy, the GM, uh, Pat, the manager, and Reggie, the owner. Uh, side note: the all three of them are owners right now, but this is back in the early '90s. Right. Uh, so I started playing uh, there with them. From there, and doing attorney parties, um, I decided to drop off resumes on the bars in the area. Because Tommy had given me a good heads up, and he's the king of entertainment, uh, especially back then, uh, other bars started hiring me. Why I was at, at all this time, I was at college, uh, I, was, I was in an economics degree, uh, when I was my, my 10th major, but my end up being my, my, like my major. Same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. You go up in options, they don't tell you, and you're like nine degrees in school, five years, and taking, you get no elective classes, or taking this. Six different majors. It's it horrible. <laughs> okay. So anyway, back to the story is that I was uh, I end up doing uh, the wine cellar in Seaside, and I actually worked at a liquor store and and the DJ there. Uh, did bamboo in Seaside for a little bit. Didn't particularly like it. Wasn't there very long. So then I was doing basically bar a uh, wine cellar, and I had a rock and bowl in Matawan, and and. Uh, and I was doing, from Vitesour, I started doing Finnegan's in Lakewood. So it was a fr- Friday night at Finnegan's, and uh, this guy came in. Uh, he was from this company called Star DJs. Uh, back in the early 90s, there weren't many big DJ companies uh, when I first started, and for private parties. And when I mean, there were a few big guys around who did it, but no big companies. And this guy was part of Star DJs, which actually was partially owned by Isaiah Thomas. And a bunch of people, uh, a couple famous people, uh, and his idea was to take private parties and book all the parties and send DJs out to do more than one party at one time. And he actually ran a DJ school called the Star School of DJing in Union. So while I was DJing, I met the guy who offered me a free scholarship to the DJ school in Union. So I had I had done a couple private parties, uh, but I had it's not most people think jump right into it. You can. Uh, but to do good jobs, especially at weddings and bar mitzvahs and real private parties, uh, it is not as easy as people think. So, in fact, the first wedding I ever did it was for a friend. It was in Phillipsburg at some country club, and they told me to wear casual. I'll never forget it because I didn't know. know any better. I thought casual was jeans and a button-down shirt. And this was like one of those those clubs that are like in uh, in uh, especially in the early '90s. That you with you know all rich white people you know snobby and me and my partner walked in with these jeans and stuff that was a living nightmare. Thank God I took this DJ class soon after and learned my <laughs> mistakes. So I would go up there for like six months, three days a week uh, while I was still in college, and they they did a pretty good job. I mean I don't really use a lot of it now besides the basics, but they taught me how to slow down my my speech because I was always speaking too fast uh, on a microphone that was big. Uh, try, try to tell me how to talk with Mater D's. Uh, they taught, they uh, told you what CDs to buy to get a general uh, variety of music without having to spend a fortune. Because again, back in those those days, you couldn't download songs or or copy songs for people. You had to actually go to the actual CDs. Not even before you even copy CDs. But those days, you had to go out and buy them all yourself. I forward ahead, but I. I'll do gigs with the, you know, I get a gig last month with the Google Dolls. I got one with Bon Jovi next week. And you have to know all their music. And who knew Google Dolls had 19 albums? 
and I could, I could get <laughs> all the al- right, I'd get all the albums. I put them all on a CD, and then I put it from a CD to my computer to go free go on your phone, say so listen to them. And the person who runs these parties, Rob, he started yelling at me why I'm so old. I use CD. I'm like, oh, that's how outdated it is. <laughs> so anyway, yes, back then that's all I could use. So I went to that. I started doing some of my own my own private parties, and I did a lot of their private parties. Uh, and it came to a point where they told me that I can't do any of my own private parties and I have to give all my private parties to their company. So that was the first life lesson learned when I started running my own company. Don't ever do that. So within a week, I left them. I didn't take any of their accounts. I didn't take any of their gigs. I gave them all back to them. I didn't use any of their networking besides the DJs I was friends with and what I learned from, from a DJ class and all the practical experience doing all the weddings for them. And stuff of that nature where I go out and back then back then like I said they were the first companies that did a lot of private parties so back then you had nine or ten dances you had to go out and do and, and teach them you had to be in a dance floor the whole time you just not thank God it's not like that yeah today. it's not like that anymore I grew up my family owned catering halls growing up so I remember you know the electric slide and and, and these are even worse the Macarena the dances for Moni Moni and the YMCA oh yeah. and, no. uh, I mean they, this is a four cubit shuffle this electric slide was out but nothing really else was out so that each company had makes up their own dances, and if it, if you had dancers and stuff, you all had to learn it to go out and show people. And I could show you. I remember some of them, and I just remember like going out and doing the Paradise by Dashwood Light one, which is nine minutes long. Oh yeah. And nobody came out except for two people. And I did a whole dance by myself and got a standing ovation. <laughs> oh man, I would have loved to see that. <laughs> like those good old days. <laughs> yeah, those good old days. But I, without them, I give them credit. I would not have. I would have been as risk as risque on my own jobs than I would on them. So it's a lot, it sounds like things are a lot easier now. And not that it's easy, but you don't have all those technical challenges that you did back then with the CDs and everything. Things are more readily available. Some of the, the issues now were, are, are, you know, back then it was getting, make sure you had all the music because every, everybody assumes every DJ has every song. If you think there's, those days, thank God, there was no nobody with phones going, well, I have my phone play it, you know, or, <laughs> you know, it's the best song ever, it's on my phone, but this song they found on iTunes isn't released and nobody knows it like those days they didn't have that but they would go up to you and say you know I have this rather popular song like back then they'd go like Billy Joel and 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 I'd have like the greatest hits album and they would ask for stuff that that is not a greatest hits album which I'd have at home but I wouldn't have at the party right there's no way to download it to find it it's basically what you had is what you had right and these days, you're at a party and someone asks for a song. You can download it in three in three to ten minutes, depending on your internet connection. And within 15, 20 minutes, you can put it on. But I also tell people at this point, when you have 80,000 songs, if you ask for a song I don't have, it's usually not a song you want to play at a wedding because you're probably <laughs> the only one that knows it. I've been wrong before. Over, well, and over then wrong. you could be like my husband, who at our wedding requested you 2 from the DJ so many times. Now, mind you, this was after I walked down the aisle to U2, and our first <laughs> dance was U2. He asked for U2 songs so many times, people actually came up to me and asked me to tell the DJ to stop playing U2. <laughs> so I guess you gotta you got to learn how to balance like the requests and um, you know pleasing certain people and pleasing everybody at the same time. That's the main part of the job, if you're a real DJ. That's the main part of the job. All right, so tell us, how did you go from... Being this like single solo DJ up in Hoboken to building modern DJ company that you have now and having all these guys working under you. Okay, uh, really, when you start, any DJ would tell you after a while, doing six, seven days a week yourself, you you miss out on 
all your friends' weddings and everything else and all your good times and and so forth and so on. Because, um, you, you know, I was up in Hoboken and uh, I was doing the bar gate gig still and scattered gigs here and there. Uh, and and I was up in Hoboken, especially in the winter. And uh, my my friend up in Hoboken, one of the managers named Carmen at the Cadillac Bar, he brings me over to another bar called Hobson's and I uh, covered a gig there. And the uh, GM there, she loved me. Uh, so she asked me, because, are you available these days? I said, I'm already working seven days a week. I just haven't had that day off because my gig back at the shore was canceled. Because um, it's a slow time of winter. It's obviously busier up there during the Jersey Shore's off season. Right. So um, she goes, do you have anybody else who, could, who can do what you do? And that's when the idea came into me. So I had a, I had a, a friend named, named Dan who uh, at the time, he had a ton of music. We'd go to a ton of shows together. He knew all styles of music. But of course, uh, he would play around with me and assist me at weddings, but he would never go out and DJ on his own. So I explained to her, I had this this guy here. He says, sounds great. So I went out and uh, on my credit cards and, and, and purchased their set of equipment and purchased all, all his music he needed. And he started going out. And then what, as you do that, once he let another more referrals come in, I started trading more and more of my friends. Uh, then, so then at that point, I had to own all the equipment myself. I have uh, tons of it, which mostly I have still a lot of it in the warehouse, but it's all outdated, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's how you spend all your money. I, I bought my business on credit card, paid it off, credit card, then paid it off, credit card, then paid it off. Right. Because I try to get a small business loan. Uh, my uncle worked for Chase Bank and even helped me out with it as a vice president. And unfortunately, in New Jersey, you could own 16 pizza places in, in two-block radius because they figured to get their money back on your pizza oven. Nobody's giving you a loan based on your CD, CDs and your DJ equipment because you know, once you use it once, it's worth half the, half the price. So basically, I wasted a lot of time. After Hoboken, that's how I had the idea of running DJs. Um, so I came back down here, had a meeting. A lot of DJs are already working around here. Uh, of course, they're already working themselves. They particularly like the idea, so I used a lot of my own guys. That this is back in the mid, late '90s, and so forth. This is a long time ago. So you know, since then, uh, you know, at the same time, we're doing these 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 private these bars, we're doing a lot of private parties. Obviously, private parties, you get a lot more money, and uh, I've just enjoyed them a lot more. More satisfaction when you go to a crowd, you have to read and they like what you're playing. Then when you have a format given to you, that's just my style of DJ. Right. Uh, but anyway, so one thing led to another and then uh, as more gigs came in, uh, and then of course CDs started being easier to get and more people had them, and then downloading started and people started using computers throughout the years. So these days, if I, if I start event now 20 years later, um, we got about 25 DJs. Um, I supply a couple of them with equipment. Uh, I supply a bunch of them with the music and the DJ pools we get. Overall, these days, most of these guys these days who work for me have their own equipment, their own music, and most of them have their own companies but do work for me uh, when they're free. Okay. Um, unlike back in those days, people only worked for me because I supplied them all the equipment and everything else. The one... That was one benefit that they can't, couldn't go out and DJ on their own because they had to use all my stuff. 
you know, which, you know, of course, they're not laying out the thousands, thousand dollars back at their equipment, but I won't get into those details. <laughs> so these are different now than they were back then. That's how I started started back then with fiber, I guess, I guess in, uh, in 2002, I had maybe eight bars uh, to a few years back when I had over 35 bars. Now we're about 27, 28 bars that we uh, supply DJs to. We, and we actually do uh, solo duos as well uh, and karaoke as well. We got nine or 10 karaoke DJs as well. Come over a full entertainment company for bars while trying to still do our private parties. But that's how it basically started. One basically started from a fraternity brother uh, who worked at Bar A, uh, which we all know is the biggest bars in the area. Yep. Uh, and 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 you nothing be touched Bar A in the nineties to two thousands. Even in, in the summer I do Tuesdays, there's you know, still four thousand people there on Tuesday night. This would be my twentieth year doing Tuesdays. So wow. and back in like ninety eight on a Tuesday, even the winters, you couldn't move. It was yeah. wall-to-wall till winter, winter Tuesdays, probably wall-to-wall till probably till Long Branch had its reason coming in Asbury, maybe 2007, 2008, because everybody from Monmouth would come. There was nowhere else to go. And then after a while of having uh, cops every mile and, yeah. and bars closer that didn't have to worry about that kind of stuff, kind of the win- winter's around the whole Jersey Shore area are not the same they used to be. But back then, even the winter, so in 98, I would go, I would take a break when the band was on. I'd go to back to see my friend uh, Sky Tuhati at his bar and uh, at the back bar outside. I was close enough where I had to be close so the band goes off. But all the bar managers in the area, all the bartenders would all be in there and the back would be all industry people who we, we all liked. And, and back in those days, all the people who worked in the bar street would go out to visit a different bar every day and show your faces and it's a different world, you know. You go out every day, and of course, drinks back then weren't, you know, six dollars a beer or <laughs> anything like that. So you you would go out back then, and you know, one thing that all those people you meet, they all end up bartending, end up being managers, and you know, and they're I, I almost like everybody. And that's the first thing like that. I, I, I my biggest failure is that I, I trust everybody to they prove me wrong. And right. I like to try, I like to believe in the good in everybody, and I think if you're a DJ or a bartender or someone in the bar industry. You have to be that way, or you're in the wrong business. You know, your, you know, your regulars, they take care of you. You got to take care of them. Absolutely. Um, your, your, you know, your, your bar who come in, you got to believe they're honest people. I mean, uh, as years go by, it gets harder and harder, and I don't, as especially the younger generation to learn loyalty and to learn stuff. And when I was young, I guess when I first started, I made a couple of mistakes. You know, one of my good friends, Brian, tells me how I took one of his gigs, and it was by accident. But I didn't realize it, but I was wrong. Everyone makes mistakes. And you learn from it, so that's what That's right. What he did, I still apologize to this day. <laughs> uh, I apologize to this day for it. In these days, you got someone telling you you're making a mistake. You should listen. But I digress again. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the business has changed because the world has changed. You know, Like the weddings in the old days, you had to do 12, 13 different dances. You had to go out and dance because uh, I, I'd not be any kind of racial. I'm, I consider myself like the Beastie Boys, who are also <laughs> white and Jewish. So our half our body moves, the other half doesn't. Like I'm the only DJ in the world who can't really dance. So they used to walk. You see them live in the days. They'd walk around in circles a lot because their arms they'd be all rhythm, but their legs don't move. So that's how I had it. So I would DJ weddings, and I had to be out out from the booth while I was playing. I'd have to walk a lot in circle and use the microphone a lot because I, you know, my, half my body wouldn't move. I was very I wasn't one of these guys who could 
bust a move right there or be automatic smooth. That wasn't very smooth. <laughs> oh, I want to see some videos of this. you got to have some somewhere. <laughs> I have one. I have one. In the old days, I made a wedding video from a wedding I did. And this one wanted to be everywhere. Me and my, my, my system were on the speakers jumping around. They were, you know, they wanted me to go to tables and try to get people up, which these days you will get shot. You do not grab people tables. These this '90s when was, they thought that was expected, they wanted that. Yeah. So I would send people to video for weddings. They wouldn't book me, and because they didn't want that. Lucky these days, we almost all of our jobs for referral. You know. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't really do any advertising at all, right? Very I mean, other little. than your T-shirts. I know I have I have one of my my DJ Dave T-shirts, like bright green. <laughs> it's got your face. Oh, that old one. Well, now I gotta get yeah. you a new one. Yeah, I want a new one. <laughs> So you're all about networking. Like anybody who follows you on Facebook, you're you're super active on Facebook. We always see all these awesome places you're going. You do a lot of traveling, go to a lot of shows, of course. These days, everything is, every step, for example, uh, everyone seems to know these days I work for a company called Runaway Tours. Uh, for the whole company, I'm the only one to do the gigs yet. Now, we're hoping they grow enough where I can start sending some of the guys that work for me to do these gigs because nothing like them. Uh, and the, the person that is a guy named Rob Fizezzi. Rob, Rob was a... Uh, Worked for Coors Light. He was their photographer. You probably actually knew him as a bigger guy. He came around MCBJ, took all the pictures. Sounds familiar. Yeah, everyone here knew him. Uh, he's king. He did my website originally. And uh, he always on my side. We did a lot. We a good friend of mine. Uh, and we did have to do a lot of gigs together. And uh, over the years, you know, we stayed in touch. He now lives in Long Island. He doesn't do Coors Light anymore. And uh, he would always help me with my, my tech and stuff and he'd come down the area we'd have lunch and stuff he's got kids and stuff you know most DJs don't uh, God bless those who do I know a lot of do uh, I missed out on that maybe I should have had the kids but I won't get into that conversation we'll save so, that for the next yeah next, next, next time yeah the things you lose out when you're up DJing every night um, but anyway uh, I don't know you, oh Runaway Tours yes yeah, yeah, sorry so through all the years Rob started working with his company called Runaway Tours that that, that, that John, John Bon Jovi and his his brother Matt ran, and then I started DJing for those. So now I get to travel. Next week I'll be at John in Vegas with the Google Dolls, Don Henley, and those are fun. Those are the fun gigs you get from just networking, just knowing people that, that are that believe in you, and that's all from believing in them. And if you give everyone, and that's why I say, you know, you know, in, in life that no one thing in life matter. I think no matter what job you do is you're networking. If you're, you know, if you stay positive, positive things will happen to you. Uh, the minute at all you hold a grudge or you get negatives, negative things start happening to you. And it's been proven the three or four times in my life someone has stuck a knife in my back, including recently. <coughs> the more I concentrate on that, the more bad things that happen. Right. The more I said karma will come around and they'll get theirs, which everyone has. <coughs> we'll see on this new guy. Everyone has. And, uh, and karma was also good for yourself. So I think every business you run you know, obviously networking, if you're, if you're doing the real estate, you're not going to get any houses by just sitting in your house. You have to go out and talk to people and do special events. You know, occasionally you go to you know, a chamber of commerce event or if I, for myself, when I DJ now to explain is, and we went from where I was DJing seven days a week to, uh, and I was also working during the day uh, as a vice president of an instrumental company, 60 hours a week. So for 10 years, I was killing myself, working 130, 140 hours a week. And then I asked my day job for a raise, and the best thing they ever did for me is didn't give me the full raise I wanted, so I quit it. So that I concentrate all on my DJ company, and that's when all the, we went from the eight bars to the thirty bars. I had a lot more time to go out and network and go visit people and things of that nature. Uh, 
and at the same time, all the people that I, from being, you know, people come to your bar and you're working, you know, like, like my second in charge, Rob Bush, he'll tell you the first off that takes no, no time to smile and, and all the time in the world to be nasty. He's the friendliest person in the world. People see him wherever he DJs at because he <coughs> actually, but he bartends or DJs, he talks to people and he cares. Yeah. You know, that's the biggest thing is that you, people talk to you and they get tell right away if you're full, full of crap or if you're not. Rob's a good <coughs> He saved my life once. Rob did? Oh, yeah. We were bartending together at, uh, what was the, the festival that they did in Asbury a few years ago? Bon Jovi played it. Oh, Bamboozle? Yeah, Bamboozle. And uh, there was an incident and it came very near being very bad for me and he stepped in and he really helped me out a lot. So, thank you again, Rob. <laughs> He is my hero. Uh, you picked like, a good number two there. Like Rob. When Rob first started, he worked for, for Miller Light for Play Plus Distributors. And I met him because he was the king of all promo after this guy Fish had left. And and he would come in, this little guy named Jay, and he would just Austin Powers and Heineken and Mini-Me. And he was always out. Like he, Even though he did the bars, he was always out supporting the bars he was at. He taught me that right away. That These days, if you see me at, when I'm home, and you're in a summer home a lot, in the winter... I'm here usually, you know, a good amount of time, especially the last five weeks or so or six weeks. And when I'm home and I'm out, I go to bars that support me. Right. Uh, so, you know, if you usually see me out, I'll be at bars that hire my DJs. And you go show yourself the bars that, because they're the ones that help you, you help them as much as you can. Makes sense. Uh, and Rob had taught me that, that he was when he's working Miller Light. So he's working Miller Light and uh, for a while, and he was doing all the bars. He loved it. And then they changed his job description there for liquor stores where his job obtained it totally changed at the same time he was semi-djing and using a microphone a lot which it, my biggest problem with my djs overall is nobody wants to use the microphone anymore and to me it's, it's uh one of the most important things otherwise you're a jukebox you know depending yeah. on what what bars you have and what style of music you're playing if you're if you're playing you know, you're doing a club, you don't have, and you're playing one style of music, and 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 that's, and you don't have, to, and a lot of places don't want to use a microphone. I one bar in Asbury tell me, I asked, did you like it? He said, you talk too much. I said, that's the first bar ever told me that. <laughs> you know that, that you know, well, people have told me I talk too much, but not a, not on a microphone. <laughs> but uh, um, that's a different style it is now than it was back then. So, right. but Rob was perfect. So he left more light, and that and within two weeks he told me I work two days a week, and within two weeks he was working seven days a week, and still is. So, you know, and another piece of advice is that if you have your company, you run it yourself, you have to have somebody that listens to you and that will give you advice that knows the business, has the same general background mindset for the business. And that's since Rob has joined me, he's pretty close, pretty close. We have the same views on, on bar loyalty and, and, uh, how, uh, how people should be treated when they go to bar and, and things of that nature, how, how you treat a bar that you've been at for a long time and, and, you know, as far as, you know, your price and the way you treat them, you know, loyalties, in my opinion, is number one in this business. It's a long lost feat in this business. I mean, as you do bartending, you can probably tell me that you oh, kill, yeah. kill for a bar, then all of a sudden you got a couple months where it's a little slow and all of a sudden they'll throw you the garbage. I was at a bar for a restaurant for over four years now. Single mom, putting herself through law school. I'd never called out sick. I wasn't stealing. I wasn't getting trashed. Well, listen, I had a drink here and there, but I wasn't getting wasted behind the bar. All of a sudden, one day, I get a phone call from one of the hostesses, not even the owners, the hostess, telling me that I'm suspended for a month. It was the week before Christmas. 
They screwed me out of all my Christmas tips. Why? Everything. I don't know. I went I went and confronted the owner the, like the following week and who I was close with. I was like, dude, what's up? You know, he's like, oh, well, you know, this one complains about you and that one. And I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that was three years ago. Tell me something that happened now that is causing this. And he couldn't come up with anything. Luckily, you know, like you said, loyalty. I had other friends in the industry and I got a, another gig up the road about a mile away and all my clients came with me. So listen, like you said, positive things, if you focus on positivity, positive things come back to you. And that's a part of business because that's really illegal. But I've had, I've had, I was at a bar one night in Asbury working and night was packed and I had two, I mean, celebrities in there. I mean, my hero, my hero is Tommy John and my other hero is Tommy Swader, both in there. I had 120 people in this place on a Wednesday and the place is packed, and and a waitress goes to me, goes, goes, uh, did a great job here, Dave. I'm like, what are you talking about? They set the waitress up and tell me that uh, the new owners want everybody that was related to the old owners not in there anymore, and let me go with a full house uh, on no notice via waitress after I built a night from nothing, nothing to to where it was packed with help of the bar. Of course, they did a really good job. Who also the people who built that night also got fired because they were related to the old owners. Right. But it wasn't any notice. And that's people that are in regular jobs that, that you always get two weeks notice. You know, it's tough to try to correlate that to a, the DJ business or a bar business. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Well, I think you just hit on something how, you know, people don't realize that what you do is a regular business. Like there is this whole level of professionalism behind the scenes. There's all this work that you put in managing, you know, uh, all these guys that work with you in your company and, and you know, managing right, all I, these gigs and this balance. It's yeah. not just, you know, yeah, get help, up on help, stage and push it. What helped buttons. me out was when I was, I, was a, I graduated, uh, uh, State College for the last year of it. And, and uh, I graduated economics. I had close to 4.0 in economics. My overall wasn't because the first two years I just drank too much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I raised it back up and I got offered, you know, grad school. I got offered Merrill Lynch and Prudential. And, uh, you know, back at time, this is 95. I'll give my age away. I'll tell anybody. <laughs> 95, there weren't many DJ companies that could survive just DJing. But I had, I also had an offer to DJ in Disney World uh, for the uh, Pleasure Island for six months. You work six months and then you're kicked out. They used to rotate when it was real busy when it first opened up. And my uncle I used to then work for during the day at a dish rental company. He had friends at the University of Miami that ran it and mm-hmm. had me go down there. And so I had three choices. And uh, I decided to DJ because that's what, as I always, I always said this in Kevin Smith's book, it says, find something you love, make sure you love it, and then find a way to get money from it. And I always told people this my whole life because I always love music. Uh, you know, if anyone knows me, I've been to thousands of concerts, my favorite thing in the world. Uh, I have... Before I DJed, for my first DJ gig, I already owned over a thousand cassette tapes and and, wow. and CDs. I always collected them. So I used, I would get a you know a five dollar week, three dollar week allowance. When I worked at Great Adventure, Six Flags, I'd save everybody I had and just buy music. That's was my what I loved. So I decided that I didn't love economics. I was just good at it. In fact, I hated it. I didn't uh, want to go to Disney World for six months, which I would have loved. And lose all your contacts. I already learned that back in those days at the bar business that once you, I learned that, for example, Tuesday nights at Bar A, the guy who did it before me was a guy named Darren. He was a great DJ uh, and a great guy. And he decided he got offered a job to be a, a cop up in uh, the Middletown area. And he decided to quit DJing. 
And when he left, eventually I was able to take Tuesdays over. He came back a couple years later, didn't want to be a cop anymore, tried to come back to DJing, and it was like starting all over again. So he didn't, there was no, like people leave me and they work for me and they take two years off and they come back, they don't got to start all over again. I already know they're awesome. So I just make sure they know the new music. I can send them right back out. They don't have to worry about it. I, the only companies that would do that back in those days were the private party companies. No bar companies did what I did back then. There's companies that have their own DJs now, but at that time in late 90s. So I, I, at, the time, at the time, I had no idea I was going to be running DJs, but I decided I wanted to DJ and stick with it. I could always go work for Merrill Lynch or Prudential back in those days. And you know, my parents were very supportive, but the rest of my family being, again, Jewish family, you're supposed to go to school. And they were not very supportive. Now they are. But back then... My, my grandmother used to drop off school books to me at DJ gigs, you know, stuff <laughs> like that, you know. Uh, but you got to follow what you love. So, so that's what's saying to me. So I learned right away that if you like something and you're positive about it, people see you like it. They, it'll, it'll, that your your enthusiasm will, will fall on them and they will hire you for their places. They right. feel that, and if they know you're a good person, you know, I, I find it harder now that I'm quote unquote old. And, and I go out and play newer music, and uh, and there's so many DJs now. Number one, uh, and I can't possibly show my love for new music as much as somebody who's 22 and loves new music. So we you know we get a lot of gigs for new music, like 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 the Osprey. The Osprey, yeah, Osprey is one of our accounts. If you've ever been to the Osprey, there's one room that's all dance music, and I did the first two there a few years back, and I particularly. Love the staff and love the bar. Didn't particularly, didn't particularly, uh, <laughs> didn't particularly enjoy the format. But I have, uh, we have about, I, I've looked at my list of about 30 guys that, that I book out and trust. Uh, you know, like I said, not all of them turn out to be what you picture them to be. But overall, and they're all talented and they all, and a lot of them are younger. They all would rather do the Osprey. It's wall to wall, sold out every Saturday, Sunday, Friday and Saturday, all summer long. It's sold out, complete room for four hours. You know, it's like doing a Bar A Tuesday, it's always sold out. And, and, you know, it's all dance music or hip hop for five hours. I would, they love it. Yeah, I couldn't take that either, but I, that's great because now you have somebody. So I'll do that. Yeah, you still make so some I know, money. Yeah. They, they I said to I told no problem. I'll, love yeah, I'll send someone else. I'll go do so. I'll go to the old person's bar. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's where I'd be now. I, I mean, people can't see where we're sitting right now, but we're surrounded by all these amazing musical artwork, uh, concert posters and such. Um, I gotta ask if you could. I mean, you've met so many people. You work with Bon Jovi and Goo Goo Dolls. You said if there was like one musician who you could work with, dead or alive, who would it be? What's that question? I guess number one would be Billy Joel. Okay. Uh, yeah, you've seen him like a few dozen times or something. Uh, Hundred ten. <laughs> oh my god! No, uh, you haven't really. Yeah, my, my, my the band I've seen the most is three eleven. I see three eleven hundred twenty times. Yeah, I figured three eleven so, was number one. I had but... met them. I met three eleven once. Uh, I was went to Stowe Pony to see them, and they had left some laundry behind. I'm good friends with the GMs there, so the next day I got to go to Atlantic City and drop their laundry off for them. Ah, that's and so cool. And then so I got that person there signed by them. Awesome. Uh, and I did a wedding. It's funny back how Barre was everywhere back in the old days. That there was a guy named in one of his songs in the third album for 311. It's called uh, "Send Us Out." My man named Yeti. Yeti was a uh, roadie for at a time for 311. Their tour did the Family Values tour back then, which was like Corn and Biscuit. Yeah, I remember um, all those bands. So he happened to go to Mammoth, and he was he graduated as a chef. He met a waitress at Barre, 
So they were getting married. They got married at the Warren Hotel in Spring Lake, which nobody remembers because it's not there anymore. It's where the pool club was, which nobody remembers. It was about a half block from the ocean, uh, maybe maybe a full block from the ocean in Spring Lake. So I'll never forget it. So they hire me, and, and the wedding party is supposed to be uh, the four members of 311, Tim Mahoney, Chad Sexton, um, S.A. Martinez, uh, and, um, and Nick Hexum. And, and at gosh, it was two skinny J's. Uh, uh, Fred Dirt was supposed to be there. Front Limp Biscuit, um, all these people. And I got asked a DJ, and Barry was running security. And only two guys showed up: was Chad Sexton, and Tim Mahoney from the band. So I had met them, and they were uh, they came out and played a song called "Summer Love." It's a real old thing. This band playing was called Cats on a Smooth Surface. Uh, they were an older band. They used to play Martells a lot. I don't know if they're still around or not. They're really good. <coughs> this little small drum. Like uh, the drum set was half of the normal size drum set, and they came out and played "Summer of Love." The two of them, and I would never got to see that. And my my assistant Dan was also a big through love fan. He's probably seen about ninety times. So we got to see them. We got to talk to them. I just remember Tim being in the street doing something he shouldn't be doing, and a cop came by and decided to autograph. You know, the good old That's days. So, cool. so but Billy Joel, no, he'd be probably number one. You know, I have I've seen him less, but he's the first album I ever got. Uh, well, actually, an A-track, uh, <laughs> Billy Joel, 52nd Street was the first album I ever got. So, you know, one you thing you're going to make it happen. Led to another, and, and millennial year 2000s concert. My cousin or sec worked at Hotel Pennsylvania Hotel New York, and uh, he offered me to do the after party for the Billy Joel Millennium Show on, on uh, 2000, and it was for free, and I would get tipped, and uh, and the, I had that option, where I could work at Georgia Court University. Uh, playing big band music for four hours and make uh, $2,500 for that. And at the time, uh, I wasn't making a lot of money. Oh, you got <laughs> I, 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 so I took the Georgia Court gig oh. and uh, ended up the DJ that worked up there, got like a $1,000 tip and got to talk to Billy for like 10 minutes. And oh, got, man. And I uh, and, uh, got to talk to uh, Andy Sashon and Liberty DeVito, the drummer, who's not in the band anymore. So, you know, your choices well, in life. <laughs> I hope you get another opportunity. So, how can everybody get in touch with you? What's the best way? I know Facebook, tell us how to get in touch with you and how to follow you on social media. Uh, best way to get in touch with me, uh, you can always reach me at 732-513-5275 uh, or facebook.com uh, slash modern DJ Dave or um, I just look up David Bain. If you live in Monmouth County, I definitely have some mutual friends with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, about the 3,700. Uh, and I've been DJing since, since 90, on a steady basis, not Tuesdays, since like 93. So if anyone who's 21 from 93 on has probably at least seen me or heard me, especially in the older days, if you're older. If you're younger, of course, you're easy to find people on Facebook. I'm just saying if you're older. Uh, <laughs> um, our website is moderndj.com. Although it is outdated, the contact information is there. We don't really use the website much anymore. Like I said, almost all our business referral. Uh, I had an issue with a guy, not Rob, but the guy took over the site afterwards. And by the time I was able to resolve the issue of the, of the name of the site, um, I realized that all our jobs, most of jobs, we get referrals. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, we, got, we have 20, uh, 25 to 30 talented DJs. They all have their specialties. And I got, you know, I would say nine or 10 DJs are A plus. You know, I have guys that used to work for me that now work in Vegas or in Austin. I have a guy, a guy who works for me that's big with the Crooken Clan. He's awesome. Still works for me. Uh, you know, Rob knows everybody. 
So I mean, you have guys that work for you that are awesome, and they're not, and they're loyal, and they don't go ahead and take everybody comes up to them for a gig and take it for themselves. They they believe in the company, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, most of the jobs are referral. We don't really need a ton of advertising these days. Right. Um, that's the way it should be. I mean, I, you do good things, you put good things out into the universe, and good things come back to you, just like you said. I believe. I mean, if I spent more time in advertising, then I could charge two to three thousand for weddings and. That says we don't charge that much. Yeah, that's not no, we're you. Overhead down. The less overhead you have, I can make the same profit charging less. You no, know, everything costs these days. Yeah. And you know, a lot of other companies I had trained. So after start DJ school, I actually trained their school, and I trained some amazing DJs to start these great companies around here. I won't mention the companies or help train. I was the only one. Uh, they were incredible, incredible guys. Now they're these huge companies that, you know, that you know, private party companies that are, you know. I'm going to go with those four or five dancers and they got the giant TVs and, <laughs> and the whole setup. But oh, yeah. for just to get in touch with me, I guess, because we got to do another one of these soon. Yeah, I, we'll have to do this I've again too I much. Like I spent, so much more to I spent about. 10 minutes about how I started because I was nervous yeah, and, and, then, okay. and then I get anything else. So. We'll, definitely, we'll definitely talk with Dave again. It's been awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Janine. You're the best. I try. <laughs>